I am Ray Vinton, Entertainment Relations for Gibson Guitar. And yeah, I'm excited to talk to you today. Ray, thank you so much for coming on. Um, glad we were able to uh, get things together in, in a quick turnaround time. A lot going on in the world. We got elections. <laughs> we have uh, fires. We have uh, climate change. Uh, a lot going on. So, uh, again, appreciate you taking a little bit of time out of your day to chat. Yeah, absolutely. A nice distraction from a the craziness. <laughs> yeah, right yeah, exactly. We, we were talking about that before we hopped on. Just, just the constant uh, checking of the the CNNs and the New York Timeses and all the other news outlets. Um, <laughs> yeah, this is this is a welcome distraction. So again, appreciate it. Um, but jumping right into that, uh, yes. <laughs> uh, one big thing that um, uh, I like to focus on the top of all the episodes is the Black Lives Matter movement. I think it's super important, uh, especially uh, for someone like me being in music, uh, coming up in hip hop uh, and being a white person. I think it's super important for me to, again, use that little bit of airtime that, that people are giving me to, to talk about things that matter. And, uh, you know, the Black Lives Matter movement is, you know, has had a resurgence. And so I definitely want to start there. Curious, you know, your thoughts on um, how things have, you know, come back into the limelight, how, you know, um, how and if you think these things that have changed are going to be sustainable. And uh, yeah, just kind of curious who you think has done a great job, what sorts of artists or brands or just people or outlets that have really shown up and, and done a great job, please feel free to give them, you know, a shout out. So yeah, I just kind of want to start there and get your take on everything. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, uh, obviously it's very supportive of the movement and the organization, you know, I know they've been around now doing this a couple of years, but I do think this last year, it's just been incredible to see, you know, so many people getting involved and finally it, I think legitimizing itself for the mainstream world. You know, I don't, even now people are like, oh, this came out of nowhere. It's like, no, they, I mean, they've been around for like five or six years. You know what I mean? As growing now into a global network and a global foundation that is really making change, not just in the communities, but now actually legislation and in the government. So it's, it's exciting to see. And I think for me, and we've kind of talked about just in our brief conversations being somebody that has now lived in LA for a few years before that New York, I, I sometimes fall into my bubble of like, oh, wow, they're like, how could people still think that equality isn't something that should be for everyone? You know what I mean? And, but the, the bottom line is racism has been in our country for a very, very long time. And it was never, it was never not there. It was just, I think, hidden and masked. And then, you know, over these last four years, we had kind of a bully come into presidency that, now kind of allowed people to think that they can act a certain way or do certain things or say certain things and it was acceptable. And, you know, it's incredible now, it's sad that the things that have had to lead up to this, but it's incredible now the platform that this has become. And you really, they have, labels have stepped up and publishing companies and artists and people are actually creating task force in their organizations and artists are giving over their platforms to let activists speak on those platforms. And all of that is so necessary because again, racism is like in the DNA of our country, you know, so we have to attack it and approach it to change it from the, from the foundation. And so I think now more than ever, it's actually happening and it's, it's still going to take time and it's still going to, you know, be a, a minute before we see all the progress, but 
we just have to keep educating ourselves and each other and being able to and willing to have those uncomfortable conversations, whether it's with your family, with your boss, with your executive. You know, there's been people that have had told me like, oh, you know, I brought this up in my company and like it, you know, it got mixed review. You know, it's like you, but these people have to be willing to fight for the like the goodness and equality that is, you know, everyone's human right. Yeah, absolutely. I couldn't agree more. Those those tough conversations, um, a lot of times too, uh, they start off very, very small. You know what I mean? Um, but I think it's it's very important. You know, it's just about the use of a word, right? And um, it, for one example, right? Um, I recently had a couple of conversations about things like that with family members. And mm-hmm. it's just like, you know, I'm not, I'm not trying to, to, um, I think an important thing is to not try to, um, what's the word I'm looking for? Kind of be like the dictator of, um, like what's culturally acceptable and what's not, because like that, that's a fool's errand, right? You're never, you're never going to be able to do all of that. What I do think is important is that when you do see a wrong, uh, no matter how small, you should try and write it, um, especially um, something like this. And it's on us as white people to, you know, speaking about uh, racism specifically, it's on us to to really change that because number one, there's just more of us, right? Yeah. <laughs> there's more of us than there are minorities in the country that is changing with these next few generations. So I think that those conversations will be a little bit easier when we get to our parents' age, things will be a little bit different for us, which would be good, but still, you know, that older generation is still here. They're still going to be around for another 15 years. And if we don't have those types of conversations, um, those things linger and those systems don't get slowly broken down. They stay in place. And so it's super important to just say, well, I don't know if we should use that word and just question it and just ask and just kind of poke and prod, you know, uh, regardless of how our, our parents may take it at times. Absolutely. And again, it's, it's being willing. And I think approaching it in a way that's like, Hey, let's have it be a conversation. You know what I mean? I'm not like telling you what's right and wrong, but again, when it comes to that older generation, you know, my dad is 74, my mom, you know, no 75, my mom's 64. It's like, they're from such a different generation. I mean, I'm very fortunate to have parents that are so loving and nurturing. And, but again, there's been times where even in conversation with other family members, like something's been said and it's like, you know, people are like, Oh, like he didn't mean it or whatever. It's not, but you know, there's certain words and you have to stop somebody and say, Hey, that you shouldn't speak that way, or you shouldn't use that terminology. And like, but again, not in a way that you want, whenever you like are approaching people in a situation like that, I think you have to come at it. Like, Hey, you know, this is why this, and this bothers me and it should bother you too, because X, Y, and Z, you know, and, and making it be an educational thing where we're kind of growing and learning and teaching each other. You know, and, yeah, and they and, can, and they could say too, like, oh, you know, well, when I grew up, like, this is just how it was. And it's like, okay, well, yeah, that's, I understand that. But like, now you have to understand why that's wrong. Right. Exactly. <laughs> and, and not just say, well, it was the way it was. Yeah. It was that way 60 years ago and it's no longer the case. Yeah. And it's a simple change. And it still and it wasn't small... right. Yeah. Right. Exactly. It that doesn't mean it's right. right but... back. That's yeah. A, that's it's still a, just, a great it's just now yeah, having, yeah having the guts to kind of have those, unco- again, it's going back to just the education and, and 
having your voice be heard and standing up for, cause you know, it's right. You know, if you've been in a conversation and you feel uncomfortable, it's because, you know, you know, probably something's not right. And maybe the conversation fixing that or trying to shed light on it will also be uncomfortable, but that's how change happens. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. And you have to push people into a space where they're uncomfortable and to acknowledge that things are wrong for things to change. Absolutely. And the other thing too, is um, speaking about our parents for a second, it's like, um, the good ones out there, the ones that have been fortunate, like yourself and, and myself, to to have had parents in our lives and, and teach us great values, um, we're we're living up to what you taught us. So don't be upset if we're holding a mirror. Like this is what you taught yeah. us. You, you wanted us to be the leader. You wanted us to yeah. stand up and fight for things that were wrong. So when when we do pose that question again, it's about doing it in the, at the right time in the right context. Mm-hmm. Um, but you can't be upset when we do that, you know, and, and that's, uh, those are some of the tough conversations. I'm, I'm kind of having this, uh, therapy session with you because those are some of the, the oh, things yeah. that I'm dealing hey, with. Man, and, and those we're are going to the holiday season. That's like, fucking <laughs> exactly. <prime time>. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. So I'm trying to like get, uh, I'm trying to fine tune some things and be like, yeah, how should I have these combos? Um, but I think that's, that, that's something that, that really stuck with me. It's like, no, 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 you, you taught me to stand up. And yes, I understand that you don't necessarily deal with this every single day, but like I do, and now I'm bringing this to you. So let's just have that conversation and don't skirt it because this wasn't what it was like back then. Well, it's not back yeah. then anymore. So, yeah. Um, so yeah, uh, well, well said, well said. Um, cool. Just kind of want to, transition over into you know the the, the second half of the, the conversation today really talking about your career talking about what it is that you're doing over at Gibson um and but let's just start right at the top you know uh I know you're originally from Pennsylvania how did you make your way to LA and and working with Gibson yeah so I again born and raised uh actually outside of Wilkes-Barre Scranton which is of course all over right now uh but yeah, I grew up yeah. in a very small little area called Hanover Township um you know, typical small town vibes, you know, know most of your neighbors. Um, My parents were photographers. My dad was a videographer. My mom was a photo photographer and they, you know, started their own little husband and wife team that they were wedding photographers. And um, they kind of always instilled in us, my brother and I have an older, I had an older brother that was four years older than me. And we were super lucky, you know, we had parents that were creative and loving and nurturing and pushed us to be passionate about what we wanted to do and kind of explore what, you know, excited us. And we both like were raised, um, on piano. My brother kind of shifted and moved and started playing guitar at a very young age and was very natural at it. Um, the musical skills did not come as easy to me, but I was so (laughs) fascinated by music and I loved being around music. And I was always in awe of his commitment and like he would study and practice and like that part of it was always so intriguing to me and so inspiring. And, you know, I, he went to Berkeley for college. Um, and then he went down, he got his master's at Juilliard and I was going to school and I knew I wanted to be in Manhattan. I hadn't necessarily figured out what I wanted to do, you know, graduate high school. I was 18. It's like, all right, well, I want to know, I know I want to be in New York. I want to be my, my brother. And I moved there and, was um, going to a school on the Upper East Side called Marymount Manhattan and just kind of took a general major communications, you know, minor in business. And I was like, you know, we'll figure it out. We'll try some things. Maybe I want to do PR. You know, my roommate, my my dorm mate at the time was doing PR and she invited me to come like help out at a 
uh, red carpet events. So I did one or two of those and instantly knew it wasn't for me. Just the people, I was like, well, this shit is definitely not for me. But luckily, like the third one I did, it was actually for the film Walk the Line. And the at, there was a party that was afterwards that was held at the Gibson Guitar Showroom in New York. So at this time, I'm like, I guess I'm 18 years old. It was like two or three months living in Manhattan. And um, yeah, I went and I just helped out at the party, like, I don't know, checking people in, some bullshit like that. And about an hour into it, I was like, I'm not even going to want to, like, I'm not even trying to get an internship doing PR anymore. So I just kind of started mingling. And I met a woman that um, was at the party and we just started chatting for about an hour or two. And then it turned out that she was one of the entertainment relations um, people at Gibson in New York. This is 2005. Um, and like I said, we ended up just talking and chatting and kind of talking about music. And I was asking her a question. She was asking me about music. And at the end of the night, she was just kind of like, Hey, would you want to come and intern here with me? And like, you know, I can teach you about music. And, so, and again, at the time, I, I really didn't even understand what entertainment relations was. I was like, I don't know. It seems cool. Like Gibson, my brother played a Gibson Les Paul. That was like his first guitar. He got, it was a Randy Rose anniversary model. So like, I was like, Oh, my brother's going to think I'm the shit. Like, it's like, wait till I tell him this. So yeah. So I, yeah, kind of right after that. And as soon as I started um, working with Gibson in New York, again, I was like 18 going on 19 and kind of learning that world of, you know, a brand supporting their artists and instrument company supporting their artists. I just fell in love with it. I fell in love with the company, the people, the culture. Um, the showroom in New York used to be the old hit factory mm-hmm. and it was on 54th between 9th and 10th. And there was just such history there. I mean, Graceland was recorded there. Michael Jackson recorded there. There was, and they had kept it all original. Like there was four, three or four different studios. And so, yeah, I got really lucky um, that I met the woman, her name was Shannon, uh, uh, Shannon Chaikin. And she really took me under her wing and I went to a couple of different festivals that summer. I went down to South by Southwest. And um, by the time I was going in, I was in my junior year and they had asked me like, would you come and kind of work full time, like running the showroom there? And of course, you know, I had one year left of school and I kind of just was like, you know, I'll figure it out. So I started taking night classes and weekend classes and working at the showroom during the day. And it was it was great. It was like, you know, exact. I was like, Oh, I'm in it. This is what I'm going to do for a living. Um, of course I wasn't making much money at the time. Uh, Gibson has gone through, Gibson has gone through a lot of changes since then, but, uh, you know, I luckily, I got super lucky, um, started working there full time, was able to finish my schooling early. Um, and I, and I finished, uh, like a semester early and over the last, like my last few months when I was at Gibson, uh, they had, hired somebody, his name was Evan Lambert, to come on and be the global head of entertainment relations. He was in publishing years before that. He was at EMI. And then he came to Gibson for about a year. And over that year, he was working out of the New York showroom. And him and I just got close. You know, they he didn't have an assistant. So I was kind of just helping him out with some things, expenses. And, you know, I've he was, he's so passionate. He's so, you know, knowledgeable. And he was such a teacher. You know, he wanted to like, I had questions, he would answer them. And that I think that's so incredible. And he became, you know, such a mentor to me. And he ended up leaving and getting an offer to go and be the vice president of universal publishing. And that was in, um, I guess it was March or April of 09. So I had finished the semester early, but I was still technically walking in May. So, which I like kind of just was like, yeah, well, I I was graduated. I just hadn't walked. So he was like, Hey, I'm going to go over. I'd love you to be my like executive assistant come and I'll, and I was like, I don't know anything about publishing. And I didn't even really understand fully. I was like, I mean, I knew I loved working with songwriters. I knew I loved Gibson. 
And that was kind of what I like, you know, I was just kind of like, well, I'm going to just stay here forever. Like that's how it works. Yeah. Right. You find a job, you love it, you do forever. <laughs> um, not really thinking about like finances and like, you know, career <laughs> yeah. longevity. Uh, so, you know, he basically just explained to me kind of like, Hey, I'll take you under my wing. I'll teach you about publishing. Um, and like, this is like the salary I give you. And like, I went back to the girl, Shannon, who was my boss. She was like, go, she was like, go <laughs> take the job. This is an amazing opportunity for you. And so I did, I started working with him at Universal in about 09. And then, you know, kind of after like two years, you start getting that itch of like, all right, I've been an assistant now. Like, what am I going to do next? And then he got, um, they offered him the, the promotion to be president of Universal Publishing and moved to LA. And I was like, oh shit, well, I'm getting fired. So it doesn't, he was like, no, I want you to go with me. And I was like, LA. And I had, at the time I had never been to California, never yeah. wanted to go to California. I really didn't care about Los Angeles. I was like, well, I don't know. Like, maybe I should go check it out. And he's like, well, you have to tell, give me an answer. We have to move in two weeks. I was like, oh, okay, well then, um, <laughs> like went outside, called my dad for a minute. I was like, so, <laughs> and yeah, I mean, I basically was like, all right, you know what? I got to, like, I had to go and like, you had to give them a year if you were going to, they're going to move you. Yeah. So I figured, you know, I'll go. And it's obviously he was moving up in the company and taking me with him to be his executive assistant there. And I just felt like there was still a lot for me to learn. And he was, again, such a great mentor and teacher and so inclusive for so many of the projects and artists that he worked with that I was like, you know what, let's go. You know what I mean? If I end up hating LA and wanting to be back in New York, I could always come back. So we went and I fell in love with LA and I kept working for him and I grew in the company and, um, you know, kind of took over more responsibilities there and more, you know, I have always loved artist relations, um, events, producing events, that kind of thing. And, um, yeah, we ended up in LA and I was, uh, with Universal there for a couple more years, I think eight and a half total between New York and LA. And then it kind of came full circle. I did a South by event with some of my old teammates from Gibson <laughs> Uh, cause I've always stayed, I stayed close to them for a long time. There are still some people that have been there for like 14, 15 years. And, um, we did a, a big event for South by, and it was like a universal Gibson party. We partnered with Tesla on it and, you know, did had like three or four bands perform at the Austin showroom for Gibson. And while I was there, we just kind of all chatted again. And they were saying one of the, the, the main girl who was in LA was going to be leaving. And I was like, Oh, that's so sad. I knew her for a while. And I was like, man, that's crazy. And then, yeah, in May, I, I kind of was, again, getting that itch of like, all right, I feel like I'm outgrowing something. Maybe what's my next step? And it kind of felt like into place, you know, Gibson kind of reached out to me and they were like, hey, listen, we'd love to have you like come work for us. And like, it was, you know, new teams in place and new management. And so I was like, yeah, I think, you know, I'll tr let's, let's do it. So I went back to Gibson in June of 2017. Yeah, it's three years has passed. And it's been a, it's been a little bit of a wild ride. You know, we, I kind of got in here and within the first year we, uh, trend, we went through bankruptcy, which was, uh, chapter 11, which I guess is very common. Uh, yeah. cause you know, they have that HR call. It's like, everybody's doing it. Everybody's gone through bankruptcy. Like, <laughs> yeah. it's like okay. Um, but really it was the most incredible thing that could have happened for the company. And we are so strong now. And, you know, you went through the bankruptcy. It was more so just kind of a, uh, financial maneuver. Yeah. yeah. And, and certain people, it was certain people were, it was time for them to kind of transition out of the company, I believe. And that's how the board felt. And we brought in a new CEO, a new CMO, basically a whole new, uh, executive board that kind of now has really these last two years. Now we've been out of bankruptcy two years and it's just, it's amazing. You know, we're back to 
just operating more as a full functioning company that is really synergy. You know, it's like, there's so much synergy between our different, you know, the entertainment relations, entertainment relations team and the marketing team and the factory guys. I just, right before this, I got off a call with product development and we, you know, we do that weekly and it's such a beautiful like synergy that we have. And of course there's still hiccups and bumps and but we're basically now this company that has this amazing legacy and we've been around for 126 years, but we're operating more, much more in a startup mode, which is, it, it, it's exciting to be a part of a little scary, but you know, and obviously stressful, but exciting, <laughs> you know? So that's yeah. kind of how I got here. I feel oh, like I'm very long winded. So I apologize. <laughs> no, no, not at all. Not at all. You hit on it. And, and uh, yeah, I, I think one of the big things, um, that I love about that is just the willingness to just jump in and do something new that you're like, oh, I know a little bit about this, not a whole lot, but like I'm down. And, and I think uh, there's a lot to be said for that because too often um, nowadays we all try and be a little too calculated. You know, I think we're oh, all absolutely. like, oh man, because we have so much data at our fingertips. It's like a yeah. constant thing. And are you making the right decision? And and sometimes you just have to go off that gut feeling like, okay, let's let it rip and, and see what happens. Like, it can't get any worse. You know what I mean? Yeah. And, and I think that's yeah. a, that's a great attitude to have. Um, I, I want to piggyback off, you know, talking about the UMG experiences for, for just a second. Um, you know, in, in talking about events, I think that's super important um, in today's world because live events aren't really going to happen for another year, year and a half, um, uh, most likely. Uh, so just kind of talking about virtual events for a second, um, you know, how let me ask you this way. What do, do you have any sorts of uh, tips or advice for artists on how they can create meaningful digital experiences in events right now? I mean, everyone's a little bit, um, uh, I think, uh, uh, getting, I don't want to say tired. That, that's not the right word, but there's just so many IG lives going on that everyone's oh, getting fatigued and a little out there. So yeah. How, how can an artist say, you know what, like I'm going to do something a little bit different and, and actually build an audience off of it. Well, you know, I think it's really exciting where we are right now. You know, I had a call with a buddy of mine who uh, works for a label and he does more of like influential marketing, kind of a lot of label service stuff. And we were saying like how busy we are, you know, it's like, we've, some people are like, oh yeah, you know, I'm just working from home today. It's like, we're so busy and slammed and it's forced us all to kind of re rethink, you know, the way we approach things for Gibson, you know, for our entertainment relations team, a big thing that we did was tour support. A big thing that we did was we have these showrooms that our artists could come in and try out gear and jam and hang out and, you know, play music for each other. We can't really do that now. You know what I mean? So it's like, okay, so what, how can we support our artists and how can we you know, help navigate what this world looks like and what this digital platform looks like. And we've done, we've been part of a, a bunch of virtual different events. For me, I think, you know, the live stream in the beginning, people were like, let's do some live streams. Let's do a live stream every week. Let's do three or four a week. And it's, it, th that's great. And it's cool. But the technology, if you're not used to being on live and if you're not super, you know, there's certain people that it can really run with it and it's amazing. And there's certain people where it's like, maybe just do a pre-record, you know what I mean? Like maybe yeah. do a couple takes. And, yep. and that's what I think now, I think it's trying to have really solid content that for you, it's like, okay, if you want to do a live stream and like, but what's the focus of it? You know what I mean? Like if you want to put on a proper concert, maybe do like a nice pre-record, get a proper sound, proper let, you know, make sure that it's the best representation of you. So whatever it is, whether you're going to do an interview, you know, a podcast like this, whatever it is, I think 
I don't think the live aspect of it is so important anymore. I think the quality and I think focusing on the quality is the most important and, you know, not just kind of going off the cup, but being a little more calculated with it. And I will say some, the live, there are some live streams that are stopping and they're amazing. But again, I, I do think if they don't all have to be lives, it's okay if it's a pre-recorded event and you've really taken your time to like a nice, one of my favorite concert videos is the last waltz. And like, I can rewatch that DVD over and over and over again, because for me, it's like such a special thing. And I think trying to create something that's special and meaningful, it's like, okay, maybe you put on a concert where it's like, okay, you're not able to do a tour of 15 shows, but maybe you do one show and then you could give that to your fans as like a package deal. And you're bringing in other aspects to it. Maybe you're creating a limited merch for that one show, that one pre-record. Maybe you're coming up with virtual meet and greets. I think there's ways to engage now that we've never been able to do in such an easy, like, you know, before it was like, you'd have to go to each show and you have to meet and greets with all these people. Uh, you know, one of the things uh, my buddy said last week, he was like, he had a huge artist that would come and she wouldn't want to do a, maybe a lot of interviews with bloggers, but he was able to set up a zoom, brought on 150 people. And he was able to do one interview and answer all the same questions that would have come from doing all these different phoners or whatever it was and get, and knock it out. And now there's going to be like, you know, hundred plus articles written about it. And, and again, it's just using the resources that we have now, these zooms, these, you know, all these platforms that are coming out, all these interactive platforms that are coming out with the virtual hangs, the virtual meet and greets, guitar lessons virtually. Like there's so many, you know, amazing things that you can utilize. And I think it's really just kind of digging in and seeing what's going to be most impactful for, for what you're trying to achieve with your audience and how you're trying to connect with your audience. Yeah, I think it's it's at that um, live stream 2.0 right now, mm -hmm. in a sense. Maybe maybe not even 2.0 because I think 2.0 is really only going to be reserved for the biggest acts right now. Like you were saying, production yeah. is the biggest quality and or uh, one of the biggest focal points. And if you don't have you know the big lights in the whole rig because you obviously can't afford that, your live stream is just going to be whatever Instagram lets you do and because those capabilities are limited, it's going to be kind of shitty. So now you have to think about how, and, and this is what I, I, I like to talk about often is like, how do you add value to your fans life? Right. Yeah. And if you do that, you will find that value because there's so many people that are doing Instagram lives. Look at some of the biggest accounts that go on Instagram live. And when they go live, there's like fucking 200 people that are in that room, 200 yeah. people. So those are the biggest accounts. They don't get any traction. So if they're not getting traction, you need to come up with a different way that you can, you know, pull your audience from there into a Zoom where even if you are only talking to 200 people, like the, they find the value so much more in that because it is more interactive. You're, you're able to talk longer or do breakout rooms and talk to specific people for certain amounts yeah. of time. Um, and but again, yeah, it's creating that moment, those special yes. moments of that are, you know, that's why people love going to live music. They love that the connection with the artist, but it's also that moment in your life. You know, I think back to some of the shows I would go to or like moments or events that I put together, shows I put together and those moments that were, you were like, oh my God, like, I'm so fortunate to be here. And they are, they're like little time capsules that you have in yeah. your memories of like these really impactful moments and maybe their life plan. You know what I mean? I met my boyfriend at this show where I did this. And I think it's, keeping that alive and doing your homework and doing your research and saying like, okay, right now, like a lot of my audience is digging this right now or like, and, and, and study, you know, it is a job. It's a full-time job being an artist and taking on, you know, connecting with your fans. 
And I think taking that seriously. And I don't think some people, I think it's just like, well, what's, what do I do? What do I do? It's like, well, I don't study, see, like put in, put in, your the, audience, fucking put work. in the work. Yeah. yeah you have put to in put work. in the work and really understand what is, what's working right now. What's trending. I still can't fucking figure out talk TikTok, but I understand that like it's having such a huge impact. So I'm trying, you know, I've been talking to some artists about it and like, you have to kind of be really paying attention to what's working right now and what is kind of, and like I said, it's the educational part of it, continuing to educate yourself on the new platforms that are coming out or the new interacting things, the things that are working. And, you know, a band I worked with put a song out four years ago and I was talking to him yesterday because it just came up in billboard that it was like, on uh, number one back on the band. And I texted him, I was like, holy shit, this is wild. Like, how is this song back on the charts? He was like, TikTok. And I'm like, yeah. again, so it's like that type of shit, you know, paying attention to it and just d- taking advantage of it. And, and again, trying to create those moments where you're connecting with your fans in a very organic and authentic way and creating those moments that they want to be a part of and they want to remember and hold on to, you know? And maybe then it's like, you can do like, a limited run of a con like you do a pre-record and air it as a live and you know maybe you take it down after 24 hours but then you allow your fans to say like hey did you love that did you, would you want to watch it again here i'm gonna give a dvd or, or a download and maybe it's five bucks but hey coming up with different streams of revenue like that's the way that we need to be progress you know and think and like i said merch drops all that like i've had a ton of artists that have done a ton of different merch drops and i'm like fuck i love this shit i'll buy this fucking 30 dollars hoodie just because yeah. i love it you know 60 dollars yeah. whatever it is and it's because again, people want to be able to connect with their the people that they're fans of, and I yeah, think absolutely. support them. Uh, absolutely, I, and I think, um, yeah, it's such a uh, such a such a great piece there. It's really I, I had another thought and slipped my mind right now. Um, you, you got off on some good stuff. Um, it'll come back to me in a little bit, but yes, couldn't agree more about putting in the work. Um, this. I think what people tend to um, not think about is like, oh, uh, because I can put my music anywhere in the click of a button that like this is super easy to take off. This shit is hard work. And yeah. I, I don't say that to uh, deter people from uh, trying to make it in music. I say that so that you know what to expect in getting in so that you can plan accordingly. This isn't to deter yeah. you. And it's motivate like, oh, shit, This is going to be hard. Right, exactly. Oh, yeah. it's going to be hard. Okay, like what do I need to know? What things should I be paying attention to? What do people even give a shit about? What what my fans even care about? They care that you fucking care. 100%. So if you care, that shows by how deep, uh, you know, how good of a production you make, how deep you go into, you know, talking to people and, and being sincere. Like people see that shit. And if you can relay that, um, like th- they're going to re- return in kind. They're going to give you that, that phone number, that email address to, to make sure that um, you can build a real relationship and that's, what's going to be sustainable. So that in five years you have some random fucking TikTok moment and your song comes back and it's like, Oh shit, this, this really hit. And yeah. that's when you know a song is timeless for however big an audience that doesn't matter because so few people get that, um, that moment. And so like when you uh-huh. do, like that's when you know it's special. And so that's when the fans connect and, and it's just about trying to put yourself in their shoes mm-hmm. and say, yeah, what, what, what would they care about? What do they want to see? And if you start to do that, things will start to, to click for you. Um, so yeah, uh, t- talking about the, and, uh, I mean, I guess this is a, a great segue into kind of the next question I had for you on, on one of our earlier chats, you know, you were talking about how Gibson, um, you know, what, you know, I'll let you explain that piece of it just in terms of how your partnerships work. But one of the big things that you guys have done is really 
given over your social platforms to um, you know the artists that you've worked with to be like, hey, we have this big audience, we have this platform, like it's really you know here you guys go. And I think that signals um, you guys trying to be real partners and not just saying, hey, here's a check or here's like let's do uh, you know a limited run of guitars. You're really like. No, we, we want to help you guys in, in any way that we yeah. can. So you mind just talking a little bit more about, you know, kind of what your social initiatives are uh, in working with artists and kind of doing that in lieu of just cutting checks. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, again, I think the cutting, we, obviously we want to make our artists money and we want to help amplify their voices. And there's so many ways to do that for us just, you know, as a core base the way that we have always approached our relationships with artists is as organic and authentic as we can. So again, it's not really throwing a bunch of guitars out to people and paying them to play our stuff or, or asking like, you know, we want to create a real relationship. You know, we want to meet an artist and talk to them and see what they're passionate about, see what they're looking for, what they want to try, you know, what their music's like, um, you know, and there's some artists that maybe are not, you know, on the same, like maybe they don't want the same stuff from us. So there has been opportunities where it's, there are artists that are just looking to make money and, and make a paycheck. And that's totally okay too. You know, we just, for us, it's always been the, the biggest return we've received is when we work with partners that are just passionate about the music and passionate about our brand, because we are, you know, this is our, like our team is very, is tiny and it's small and we work as a family and a unit and we're very collaborative because we love this company. Like I said, there's people that have been here for 14, 15 years on our team, but there's people that have been in the factory building guitars for like 20, 25, 30 years. It's like, it's pretty wild because we are, this brand is, it's a heritage too, you know, people connect like an instrument to their, the, you know, their legacy. I mean, some of our Chuck Berry, you know, founder of rock and roll, you know, he's, that you think of him, you think of that guitar, you think of his 350, you think of, you know, Elvis, you think of like his guitar. You know, and that's for us, like, we feel like, okay, that's our responsibility to keep those legacies alive and to keep the brand, the value of the brand so pure. And so again, I think when we approach relationships, that's just what we want to like, like let people know and our artists know, like, we are here to support you and your music. And we're so grateful that our you know, our instruments have been able to help the creativity among artists and inspire them and help, you know, their music change and grow. And um, as far as now our social initiatives, yeah, I mean, when we went into COVID, Gibson's social presence, you know, has, has definitely grown over the last few years. There was a while where it really wasn't that strong. It just wasn't a focus of the companies. And as I said, you know, we've obviously changed a lot over the last two years, really the last few years. Um, but now, you know, COVID hit and we, we were already doing some social things some promotion and it was a little more limited. And we kind of just said, all right, all we have right now, everyone's inside. All we have is our social platforms that we can really, we did a homemade music campaign that was kind of allowing artists to perform their, you know, music from home and we would showcase it in on our platform. Um, you know, we've done some lives and we've done some, you know, IG takeovers and we're just, we're trying to be as, you know, open to like artist ideas as, as we can be. And just, if they come to us and they're like, Hey, and it could be as simple as just promoting a single. Okay, cool. Let's do a swipe up. Let's do, you do a, a shoot a little video, do a little demo for us. And we'll, we'll include the swipe up. Cause again, our social media is like, you know, we've got two or 3 million on Instagram. We've got 8 million on Facebook. Like, 
And these are artists that maybe have a couple thousand followers or, or you know, some of our bigger artists have a couple hundred, some couple million. But again, we're, we offer that to all levels of our artists, whether you're the smallest artist that we work with with a hundred followers or, or five, we've said to them like, hey, let us know. Do you have an album coming out? You got a single coming out? You want to promote something? You want to promote a book? You want to promote whatever it is? Let us know and we'll slot it and we'll do as much as we can to help promote it and push people to it. Um, because again, that's we're, we're fortunate enough to have a, a big following. And I think, you know, again, it's, it's just goes back to us building these relationships with our artists and being able to communicate and have them have an open dialogue with us about what they're needing and what they're wanting and what their goals are so that we can help them achieve them. With great power comes great responsibility. And uh, yeah, I think what you guys are doing is, is perfect. Just like you said, going to like the smallest artist, you know what I mean? And, and going all the way up. I think that's, um, extremely noble. And I wish more people acted like that because sometimes legacy brands tend to think that the internet is permanent and it's like, yeah, it is. There's certain aspects that are permanent, but there's others yeah. that aren't stories is not permanent. You know what I mean? So to yeah. help some other person get, get a couple of eyeballs, you know, Absolutely. it's like you need content. They need to look, it seems like a per match made in heaven and you yeah. want them make it, you know, focusing your product, you know, the only requirement is like, don't swear and you you know if that's yeah. one of your big things and you and show the product great yeah Let be respectful rip. of course right. you know and yeah and, exactly. and try to amplify like the positive message that we're all trying right. to, i think reach you exactly know? exactly exactly so kind of on that note too you, you mentioned that you guys do work with some really small artists how can an up-and-coming act really get your attention is there something that they need to do how to how can they get on your radar you know, it's interesting. There's, I would say there's no real, like, Hey, do X, Y, and Z and you'll get, you know, the, this, this will work. But for us, it's really come across all different ways. I've been introduced through artists, through other artists, through managers, through lawyers, through friends uh, that aren't even in music. You know what I mean? They'll be like, Oh, I checked out this band. I've had um, artists, you know, just Instagram message me, you know? And like, I, I try as best I can to check out all the music. Sometimes it just maybe won't hit with me. And there's been times where I, an artist is, dm'd me and i've checked out the music and i'm like shit this is dope i'm into it and like i'll hit them back and then we'll just start working together so it could be really as simple as that i think you know it goes back again to just the integrity of focusing on your craft and and putting the time and energy into it and when you're and you're navigating and you're figuring out what is you know what's working right now and how do i get my eyes on things and and reaching out to those brands reaching out to those companies and Maybe you won't hear back right away. Maybe you won't ever hear back, but maybe you will get, you know, hit back by somebody. And I think it's just approaching it in a very responsible way and saying like, Hey, I'm this artist. This is what I have. This is what I'm looking to do. This is, this is my plan. Because I will say like, as when I see things like that come to me from an artist, like, Hey, we're doing this and I'm shooting this and I'm going to have this much content. We just put out the CP and I'm like, okay, they got their shit together. And even if the music might not necessarily be for me, like I might pass it on to the team and say, Hey guys, like, you know, maybe this isn't my style or maybe something I'm not into. Cause again, I do try to work with artists that I'm genuinely super passionate about the music. And because for me, it just, that's such a more enjoyable experience. Through. And yeah. yeah, you know, and um, so, yeah, I, I would say go for it. You know what I mean? Like don't, and even then it's like putting out music to, I've had some of my artists that like get so stuck in their head about, obviously you don't want to flood the market and put a new song out every day. But I mean, in this digital world, like people are dropping new music all the time and it doesn't always have to be such a like grand rollout. Like, we're in a different time now. We're in a different, so like you want to put a single out once a month, fucking put a single out once a month. You know what I mean? Like keep music. I will say there's some people that I've met and maybe I've gone to their channel and artists I've worked with for a while. And I'm like, dude, this music is from like four years. What are you doing? And like, I've heard the new stuff in the studio and I'm like, that shit's amazing. 
put some of that shit out there. Like you have to stick, keep your, keep your sound and your, and all your platforms up to date, keep your bios up to date, keep your all like, keep it synergistic. So that when people go and they're like, who is this artist? Oh, I just met this artist. And you have your Spotify in order. You have your SoundCloud, whatever it is, all those pieces are in check because if people see like, Oh, there's maybe something here. Or there's something here for four years ago. They're just going to think you're kind of fucking around. And like, again, that goes back to what we were talking about again. It's just, it, this is a job and looking at and, and taking responsibility for the ownership of your, of your craft and what you, as an artist, we, and as, I mean, God really as people now we're a representation of a brand and our, as ourselves, you know, as an artist, your representation, the artist has a brand, you know? And so you have to put yourself out there in the most professional way and get, you know, make sure that people understand exactly who you are and you know, what your music is. Yeah, I think it's super important because it's like, I, I go back to putting yourself in the other person's shoes. You want to work with a brand, put yourself in Ray's shoes. Why would she want to rock with you? What do you have going on? If you're not buttoned up across the board, no matter how big you are, like that, you know, because music is an art form and it's subjective, you know what I mean? Like it can hit with you, like small following, but they're super buttoned up. You like their vision, the music hits, you're like, oh my God, yeah. this is an amazing opportunity. So Absolutely. I, I think that's people, they often miss that. They're just like, mm -hmm. uh, I want to be on your platform. Yeah, but why? Like, why yeah. should I, why should you be on there? What, it, how is that going to help Gibson? What is that going to do for us? And if, you know, as opposed to coming to the table with a bunch of stuff already going to make it easy to say yes. That should Absolutely. be everyone's goal to make it easy for you to say yes. Just exactly. like you said, I got this you EP know. coming out. I got this video. I got X, Y, and Z. It's like, okay, yeah. cool. Shit, shit is moving. There's something here. There's an energy. I'm curious. I want to be a part of it. And then if those conversations go well, then it's like, yeah, let it rip. Put them on there. Like, let's let's yeah. get them going. Absolutely. So, so yeah. Uh, one of the other things that I do love that you guys have done is kind of that education series with uh, Marty Schwartz on your social channel. Uh, we love Marty. It's so great. <laughs> So, so why do you guys think that, um, you know, why does the brand think that, you know, educating the audience, your audience is, is important? Well, I mean, and, again, and, like, and I was going to say, sorry, sorry to cut you off a secondary question too. Like, do you think there's anything that up and coming acts can take away from, uh, creating that type of content too? Um, cause I think too often, you know, they think they need to make one specific type of content or they don't really understand that like creating educational content is is an avenue so yeah curious your thoughts on like why the brand thinks education is important you know and what I mean, newcomers can take take away from that well and again it's that whole bigger you know i think education a whole whether it's music education whatever it is, like that's so important and to keep educating yourself and learning about what's you know how to grow your craft like that is i think that should always be in the forefront for everyone you know nobody knows everything nobody knows like, you could be a phenomenal player there are still tips and tricks and ways for you to change you know evolve or make a new song or make a new sound, you know, and, and, and continue to grow and, and become a better player. I, I think 100% that, you know, for us, you know, Marty has such an incredible audience. He's such an incredible person that, you know, really has a way of speaking, communicating to people that connects. And so for us, that was like, you know, we've chatted with him in the past and, and done some other things. And, you know, he's done some stuff for us on socials in, in the past as well. And, it just seemed very natural for us. We were just like, oh, this will be great. Our audience will love it. And they have, and it continues to grow. And so that just says to us, like, okay, people are really into this, you know, and there's a couple other platforms and there's a couple other things that Gibson is doing. I don't know how much I can actually touch on, but um, 
there's a, a service that we're talking to and, and they are creating like little profiles where artists can have their own pages and, and start taking on, you know, maybe it's fans that want to take lessons from them. Because again, there's another, there's another avenue for revenue, you know, and yep. um, you might be an artist that has a thousand, 2000 followers, but hell, maybe those 2000 followers are the most loyal motherfuckers you've ever met in your life. And they're like, I would pay 50 bucks to take an hour lesson with you. And, and again, it's going back to like, okay, well, what are some other cool creative things that I could do, especially right now when I'm home? And I think the education part of it is huge. You know, like if, if there's a certain, and there's no right way to play, there's no, you don't have to study music. You don't have to know music theory. There's some artists that are classically trained. There's some artists that taught themselves, you know, there's no right or wrong in music because again, it's, it's what you connect with and how you put, you know, the sound that you want to get to. And so I think being able to kind of learn from all those different avenues can only impact you in a positive way. Well, well said, well said. All right. Well, we're coming down to, uh, to time here. Uh, want to make sure that we get in a, a nice little plug section here at the end. Uh, so yeah, just curious what you're working on, what you're excited about, you know, where can people contact you? And then lastly, uh, what would the name of your personal playlist be? Um, I'm work well, I mean, there's so many things we're working on right now. There's like a lot of exciting, uh, signature releases that will be coming out. Um, the end of this year and into the new year. And that again is just celebrating some of our real legacy players. And uh, one particular that I've been working on is Kirk Douglas from the roots who I've known actually since I was an intern at Gibson, I met him, you know, hundred years ago, it feels like now when I was just, just a child, but um, you know, he's uh, been in the roots for uh, since like 2003 and I you know he's Captain just such Kirk, an incredible right? talent and spirit and we're going to be releasing we released an SG with him uh, a few years ago and we're actually putting out a new a new model a new SG with him that's going to be in uh, two colors and it's just been a really fun project you know it's nice. like he's super inspiring and he's so passionate and he's such a beautiful soul so again, to be on that part of it and watching the evolution of like the new signet, like the new model that he's, we're going to put out with him. Uh, it's just, it's exciting. And, you know, you like going back and seeing the reaction from fans that have played that instrument and knowing that this instrument now is going to inspire, like, you know, the next generation that is going to learn about yeah. him and his, you know, his music and what he's been doing. It's just, it's really cool to be a part of that. So that's really exciting. And one other thing, um, we, we started a generational group called G3, which is, um, young players that are just incredible. And we all kind of like took a couple on and we like mentor them and stuff like that. And um, it's, it's been a definitely a pro like we've been working with them to develop the program. And um, I have uh, three of them that I work with Asher, Noah and Ben, and they're just super inspiring and like some of the most talented people. And again, so focused on what they want to do and what they want to play and how, you know, and practicing. It's like, it's just really cool. And I think the more that we can do things like that, and there's going to be some educational stuff we put out with them. Um, so that's really exciting for us because again, to be so connect, I'm, I don't have any like younger brothers or sisters and I haven't, yeah. I don't have children. So, you know, being able to work with like a, the younger generation and see the, the, the way they view things too, and the way they're navigating this virtual world, it's really incredible and super inspiring. So that's exciting for us to kind of be able to give them a platform as well. And um, be part of that story. So, uh, yeah, I think awesome. those are some, some things. And then what was the other part? Uh, amazing by the way. Uh, but, <laughs> but yeah, uh, 
Uh, that's awesome. Uh, where can people contact you? And uh, what would the name of your personal playlist be? Um, I try, I'm, I'm honestly trying to get better at LinkedIn. I promise I'm going in there weekly now. I swear. So you could send me, I mean, and I guess, yeah, Instagram DM. I'm, I'm not trying to like throw out my, my general email here. Cause that could be yeah, yeah, yeah. crazy, but yeah, I would say any of the social platforms and LinkedIn, um, and a playlist. Oh goodness. I, I would be one of those people that the playlist would be called, Oh, let me like replay this song 19 times. Cause when I get hooked on uh, it's like a new, even if it's, it's an old song, I'm, I'm one of those terrible people. Like, don't even go in a car with me because I'll put the same song on 19 times in a row. And then people are like, why are we still listening to this? Because I'm, <laughs> it's terrible. So it should just be like songs that will be repeated now for an hour. Um, <laughs> there you go. So, I, I'm, I have, uh, I've been victim to that as well. My wife, uh, like only plays Lauren Hill. You know, we got a Google home at the house. And she's <laughs> like, hey, gee, uh, play uh, Miss Education of Lauren Hill, which I absolutely love, but I'm like, babe we got we gotta let's get oh, something yeah. new here oh yeah like, and for me it'll go like she loves music and, and i'll just like yeah. overplay a record and then i'm like all right well I'll give it a break for a week and i'll go to something else and overplay it for for three more weeks yeah 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 she she loves that she loves doing that uh but she listens to a lot of current stuff too i've over the years i've had to force her to be like no nah, we're gonna listen to this but uh she yeah. has some mainstays that she just goes back to which we all do <laughs> but i just it's, I like it's throw great that man i love it buster chops yeah. Yeah, for sure. Um, okay. Ray, thank you so much, uh, for the time. Um, and, and yeah, uh, glad to hear everybody safe and sound out there on your end. Glad to hear about the, the upcoming things that you have really looking forward to checking those out. I mean, big fan of the roots, big fan of, uh, Captain Kirk and, uh, everything they have, and, and the stuff that you guys are doing with the kids. I think that's just like awesome. And like any kid who's like super into, a particular thing that young and and I can just tell by the tone in your voice that these kids are just like really nasty with it yeah, that like it's pretty that's it's awesome. pretty incredible <laughs> yeah yeah it's cool to be part of. so again thank you for the time and and uh, we'll have, to, awesome, we'll have yeah. to catch up down the line as well absolutely it's great chatting cool all right we'll talk soon all right sounds good all right bye